If you're a young lawyer in practice, then you know that one of the things we do pretty regularly is to give presentations. Now, sometimes it's internal presentations to colleagues, sometimes it's external presentations to clients, and sometimes it's just presentations, really, for any particular purpose. You might have a podcast, you might give some sort of presentation to your group, you might think of advocacy in court as a type of presentation, and really it's all fundamentally the same thing, which is using your voice and your words to persuade someone of something or to teach someone something. And so today I wanted to have a talk about some tips to make your next presentation better than those around you. This is Tips for Lawyers podcast. This is episode number 27. If you need to get the show notes for today, you can get them at tipsforlawyers.com slash podcast slash 27. My name is Chris Hargraves and let's get into it. I guess the first thing I wanted to say today is that I'm not talking about, in this particular podcast, the slides, I'm not talking about the visual, I'm not talking about really anything other than you and your presentation, in particular with a focus on your words, your content. Now, there is a lot to say, of course, about body language, about tonality, about voice, but that's not what I'm actually going to get into today. I'm going to focus on the content, because I think really this is fundamentally where most presentations go awry. For today's purposes, although it is possible for presentation to be viewed in a number of different contexts, I'm going to be contemplating what I say today from the point of view of giving some sort of educational seminar. By and large, that's because that's what you're going to be doing the most. If you're a young lawyer to a mid-level to a senior lawyer, all across the spectrum, you probably are going to have, or at least are going to get, in short order, some opportunities to give presentations to people, the point of which is to educate them in some way. Now, the first thing I guess it's important to say is that what I've noticed over the years in, frankly, increasing uh, proportions these days is that the quality of presentations you get is extremely variable. What do I mean by that? I mean that some people give truly terrible presentations and some people give very polished, very expert presentations about which you go back to your office and you rave to your colleagues. Now, there are many, many different iterations in that spectrum and there are some times where you might find the content good but the presentation bad or the visuals good but the words bad or the person have some irritating habits or any number of different things. But by and large, if you can be an effective presenter... It will give you a great platform to have opportunities to speak. It will give you a great platform to have opportunities to help your colleagues. And frankly, it will help you develop some procedures and some processes to actually improve your own speaking and your own preparation generally, no matter what the context of the presentation is going to be. So in that sense, think of educational seminars that you're giving as an opportunity for you to rehearse, to build up, to practice your presenting skills, your oral advocacy skills, and your skills generally at making a point or teaching someone a particular concept, because those are things that are going to do you in good stead no matter where you are, no matter what your position is, and no matter where you find yourself in the future. So I guess the first fundamental question that we need to ask ourselves is why is there such a wide variance when it comes to presentations? 
And I think fundamentally that comes down to one primary difference, which is people aren't preparing properly. Some people aren't preparing enough, which is a factor, but most people aren't preparing properly. And that involves a few things. It involves the steps you take, and it involves also the way in which you do things in order to arrive at an effective, polished presentation. Now, let's just start with the amount of effort it's going to take, because realistically, if you want to give an effective presentation, if you want to deliver an effective speech, if you want to teach an effective point, if you want to persuade someone effectively, and I used effective a lot of times there on purpose, then you need to have enough time and enough effort put into the process. And as we're going to see, it's not a small process to do this properly, but you need to have enough effort put into the process or you are going to come away disappointed with your own performance. And frankly, you would be right to be so. And that I think in particular in internal presentations that lawyers give to each other. So a lot of firms these days have an internal continuing legal education process and they give presentations to each other. And that is their experience when it comes to speaking and frankly they just don't put enough effort into preparation they don't put enough time into preparation and the reason they're partly at least is because of their professional responsibilities they feel like they can't take enough time out of their day to prepare properly because they're so busy billing and charging clients and making budgets and so on that they actually don't invest the necessary time into giving an effective and meaningful presentation so You need to set the right amount of time aside. As for how much time that is, look, it's so variable, I hesitate uh, to even hazard a guess because topics vary widely, of course. There are going to be professional topics, there are going to be very technical topics, and even within that, you might be giving a 15-minute, a 30-minute, a one-hour presentation, and frankly, the sheer amount of research or reading or preparation or content development that you need to engage in is so variable that I couldn't possibly hazard a guess, frankly. Um, For myself, a one-hour presentation could easily take me five hours or more to prepare if it's done properly and if it's on a point that requires some research. Sometimes I have some help with that side of things, but, you know, you're looking at a real investment of time if you're going to do this properly. And as we see, the process that I'm going to recommend specifically involves a good amount of time. So, What are we going to do first in our educational seminar? I'm assuming you have a certain degree of latitude when it comes to what topic you're actually going to give. And that's really step one, which is to define the topic. Now, most people define the topic by giving it a headline. And that's not a bad idea. Personally, I prefer to give it a headline sort of towards the end, but it does help you if you have a headline to at least have a vague idea of what it is you're going to do. However, however, I don't think that is the best way to start the process off. By all means, have a headline. It might help you brainstorm a few to actually get this process down pat. But if you're giving an educational seminar in particular, then I really think your presentation should be founded on one major question. And it's not a headline, it's a question. What is it that you want your audience to learn out of this presentation. That's it. It's a question. What do you want them to learn? What is it that they come away with? Because you need to be able to define the benefit to them before you can do anything else. 
anything else at all needs to reflect the question that you ask. So what is it that you are wanting to teach them? Now, sometimes we have a tendency here to be overly optimistic about how much we can actually teach people in one go. I might, uh, for example, if I was having a bad day, try and do a seminar on the basics of bankruptcy or something like that. Now, that's a ridiculous topic. And I say that for this reason. There is no way I am teaching the basics of bankruptcy in one go. It's simply not possible. And at the same time, I cannot define in my own head what the person is going to come out with at the other end. They're going to come out with knowing the basics of bankruptcy. Well, that's not very helpful. I can't articulate that in the way that I need to articulate it to do this process properly. So rather than the basics of bankruptcy, which is just too broad, you might, for example, drill down on a very particular point. And I don't want to get technical here because uh, I don't know what country you're listening from. And so this might be irrelevant, but you might need to ask a specific question. You might need to say, what property is available to a trustee in bankruptcy of a bankrupt estate? Now, that's a very specific question, and it's one you can really drill down on. Sure, you might have an introduction later on, and you might have an ending, and you might have some stories, and you might have some periphery, but you need to articulate the question that if the audience only has one thing that they learn, that is it. Everything else you need to shift away from because articulating that question really helps the balance of your endeavors here. So that is suggestion number one. Articulate as a question what it is you want your audience to learn, what question it is you are answering. Think of it as if they've actually put their hand up and asked it. How can I do such and such? What can you tell me about this specific thing? How can I go about doing this? What if this happened and that happened and the other thing happened? Those are ways of doing it. And you might come up with three or four or five ideas about the question, but I really suggest honing in on one, maybe two if they're related or three, but really one core question that you're answering. Because time and time again, one of the biggest problems I see in presentations that people haven't thought hard enough about is they try and cover this massive amount of information in one go. And look, this podcast is an example. What I, what you, I hope, are asking today is how can I give a more effective presentation? And that's what I'm seeking to address today. Now, in one sense, that's a fairly broad topic, but I am doing it at a fairly fundamental level so that you can have your next presentation be better than all the ones that came before. So question number one, issue number one, is articulate the question that your audience is asking and that you are capable of answering. The next thing really, uh, and this is the part where most people have a tendency to fall down. Most people actually start writing their presentation at that point. Uh, You know, they start jotting down headings, they start learning, uh, you know, putting in case citations, they start reading. Um, And really it's only that last part, it's the reading that you need to do at this point. Once you have articulated the question, if you are doing your preparation properly and this hasn't been foisted on you five minutes before you're supposed to start talking, then your next job is to become an expert in the subject matter. And now that sounds a little bit daunting, doesn't it? Becoming an expert in the subject matter. And that is why you need to articulate the question very carefully because you cannot learn the entirety of bankruptcy law in order to become an expert, but you can become an expert on what property is divisible amongst the creditors of a bankrupt. You can become an expert on Latin words that get habitually used by judges. Um, 
that was a joke in case you're wondering. But, uh, um, you know, you can become an expert on specific issues with a certain amount of effort. Certainly, you can become more of an expert in that topic than your particular audience might be. And that is why it's important to articulate the question, because if you're going to prepare properly before you do anything else, you need to become an expert. Now, you need to be careful in this process. You need to be careful because if you're going to become an expert, then you need to focus to make sure you are answering the right question and only becoming an expert in what you need to, because I am mindful that although I have said a lot of time is necessary, don't spend more time than you need to. If something is not relevant to answering the question, then discard it. Don't learn it. Don't read it. Don't look at it. Don't spend time on it. Only look at what you need to look at to answer the question comprehensively. Now, if it's an area you don't know that well, then you might cast the net a little wider to make sure that you haven't missed anything obvious because you don't want to be embarrassed. But at the same time, if you find yourself reading something and, you know, chasing rabbits down holes, then you've got to stop that and you've got to get back on target. And that's why step one is step one, and it comes before learning your subject matter. Because that will save you time in the long run. You can't become an expert in everything, but you can become an expert in a particular question. So, if you have learned then everything there is to learn about answering a particular question, what do you do next? This is where you need to think about what you actually need to communicate in order to answer the question and the best way to communicate it. Now, different things, of course, have different focuses. There are going to be some presentations that are going to require you to talk about case law. There are going to be some which require you to talk about statutes. And there are going to be some which you can actually give the presentation without needing to refer to those things at all. Now, I would like to encourage you at this point just to come up with, say, let's say it's an hour-long presentation. And uh, you are invited to speak for about 45 minutes and then you'll take questions at the end, hoping, of course, that no one actually asks any and you can sit down. Um, if you have a 45-minute presentation, you might, for example, break it down in this kind of way. You're going to have a couple of minutes of introduction where you set up the topic and then you're going to probably have a few sub-questions within your question. You need to first, of course, introduce your topic, then you need to give the fundamental level knowledge that people need to understand how you address that topic. And for taking a bankruptcy example, if you're talking about property divisible amongst creditors and you're talking to a crowd who doesn't necessarily know that kind of fundamental level terminology, you might need to introduce some of the terminology. If you're giving something on a complex tax issue, you might need to introduce some of the underlying basic taxation principles. And that is I know outside the expertise issue, but you don't need to become an expert in those. You just need to introduce them enough so that what you're about to say in answer to your question actually makes sense. And that could easily take you, say, 10 minutes. It could take 15 minutes. That might be a whole third of your presentation. The next and most logical step is to address the question in however you can to make it that people are actually going to listen to you. So I've done good presentations in this respect and bad presentations where I've tried to cast the net too wide. I've really failed at this point because I end up flying through reams of material very quickly, watching my watch, watching the time click away, and ultimately never really getting to it in any sort of meaningful way. So if you're doing this, you need to try and find a way to address the question in 
a way that people will listen to you, a way that people will engage with you, and in a way that you can have a natural flow. Don't jump from topic to topic. Have a think about it. Now, you might brainstorm a few headings, you might brainstorm a few dot points and a few ideas, but have a think about the best flow for the story. And again, taking our bankruptcy example, and storytelling has gotten a lot of press recently. Um, Just Google storytelling and presentations, and I'm sure that you will have a good idea um, about how to go about doing that. It can be a little difficult to tell a story in a particular uh, technical way, but for most legal examples, answering the question in the way of a case study or a hypothetical is in fact an excellent way to go about it, particularly when you're trying to educate people because you can get them involved, you can ask them questions, you can have them engaged, you can have some group participation potentially, and it really does wake people up if you can point to a few people and say, what would you do if this happened and that happened, and why would you do it? Now, it helps to have a few people in the audience who you know will actually answer questions, or at least will try if they don't know the answer, and that can wake up the room really well, make sure people are paying attention to you. So, I would generally suggest starting with the base level information after your introduction, that is what they need to understand. Follow that with perhaps a case study, perhaps a couple of case studies that demonstrate the fundamental point and the fundamental answer that you're trying to give. After that, you might take a few minutes to talk about exceptions because in most legal topics at least, there are exceptions to the rules. You might, however, if you've done case studies and you've been the one talking most of the time, You might also like to have an opportunity for some sort of activity, some sort of group participation. Uh, Again, it can be hard getting lawyers to participate. I I don't overestimate how uh, easy that is. But if you can set it up right, you can have people engaging right, it helps to solidify the information in their head. The next thing you might think about doing in terms of your content is to have a wrap-up at the end. Now, that's a very simple example. But that should get you through, frankly, most 45-minute presentations. You might have one or two points you need to make at the start. You might have one or two or three case examples, which show some subtleties or some nuance or some different things. There's no reason to have more than one case example demonstrating the same point. You might have a couple to demonstrate subtleties and changes and differences. And that, again, is an opportunity for group discussion. And then you can summarize after you show the exceptions. So show the exceptions to the rules. Um, You might have another case study or example if you've got time, but I suspect you're running out of time then, and then you are going to get to the end. So, what have we done in terms of this? We've jotted down so far our flow, okay? That's all I've been talking about. I know it sounded like a lot of information, but at the end of the day, all you're doing here is jotting down your headings and getting your flow right, your order right, so that the cohesiveness of your presentation actually makes sense. That's all you need to do at that point. Remember you're an expert in the subject matter. Don't get caught up with filling in paragraphs, with writing things down, with giving any more information than the headings at this point because you've become an expert in the subject. That was your first step. If you haven't done that properly, then this stage is going to be incredibly difficult. Now, after this stage, of course, you're going to start fleshing them out. Once your order of events makes sense, once you can hear yourself speaking and working through those things and then making sense in the order in which you're delivering them, that is when you can start filling in some of the blanks. Now, I am not a big fan of writing out presentations in full, uh, and I say that for a few reasons. Firstly, 
I say that because you always end up reading them, no matter what. And secondly, I say that because if you're an expert at the subject matter, and you should be, then you don't need your presentation written out in full in order to speak to the subject. And the third reason is, if you are reliant on reading your presentation, and if it's in front of you, you almost inevitably will, then if someone asks you a question, if you get interrupted, if you get hijacked, if your boss leaps in and makes some annoying comment that you weren't expecting, then it is going to throw you completely off and you're going to be looking through your notes, you're not going to be able to remember where you're up to, and it really does stuff up your presentation flow. Whereas if you can deal with things as they come and then get straight back to the point you are making by reference to a simple heading or a simple guide, then you're in far, far better place to actually deal with eventualities as they come up during the course of your presentation. So now you have filled in some of the blanks and this is generally the point where your content is starting to come to an end. Now, the only things I do recommend putting in when you're filling in your blanks are quotes, quotable quotes. You may end up with them on your slides. That's a bit debatable, but we're not talking about that today anyway. You may end up with them on your slides. You might end up also um, just having a think about how you're going to go about engaging people. Think about questions you can ask during this process. If you do think of them, just jot them down. Questions you can ask the audience, ways you can get people to engage, because audience engagement is by far the best way to get people still paying attention. If they know they're going to get picked on, they're going to be listening to you a little bit more. So now why have I gone through all this uh, and I haven't spoken about slides at all? It's because I want you to remember that you are the speaker, okay? Microsoft PowerPoint is not the speaker. Keynote is not the speaker. You are the speaker. You are the presenter. And it's important that you carry the authority and the ability to answer the question in an appropriate way that demonstrates that you've done your job properly. Now, the final thing you need to do before anything else is you need to go back through what you've prepared, okay, however detailed it may be, go back through it and then look at the question you're seeking to answer. And if there is anything in there that is not necessary for you to answer that question, or not necessary for some other very, very discreet reason, like engaging the audience, telling a joke or something like that, then get rid of it. Okay, don't forget, you are there to answer that question and only that question. If you're answering other questions that don't need to be answered in setup for answering the main one, then it needs to be gotten rid of. And nothing infuriates me more than thinking I'm going to a presentation about one thing and having a presentation about 25 things, and I'm sure you have been there, you don't remember any of them. You might come out if you're lucky with one minor point that hasn't been gone to in enough detail that you don't really know it that well at all. Don't overreach in your coverage. Answer that question. Don't answer other questions. They can be for the next presentation or a different one or another person. It doesn't matter. If you keep trying to expand to cover all bases, then you will end up covering none of them because your audience will leave without having learned a single thing. You will have tried to cover too much. Okay? This is by far the most important thing. If it ends up going for 30 minutes instead of 45, as a result, when you, if you want to do a run-through, you do a run-through to see how long it's going to go. Okay. Then maybe you've articulated your question poorly. 
to fill up the necessary time. However, there are ways of addressing that. You can think about changing your question. You can think about changing the issue. You can think about going into some more detail or some more exceptions or some more nuance. Or you can think about drilling down in some more detail than what you already have. If you have answered your question in the most comprehensive fashion that it can possibly be answered, you have provided case examples and you have had an opportunity for your audience to get involved and ask questions and participate in a group discussion of some kind, and you're still only hitting half an hour, and frankly I'm amazed if you are, then I think probably you need to change your question or add a different question. Um, There's a couple of different ways of doing it, but I'd suggest rather than adding a different question, you run the risk of it being disjointed If you do it that way, I'd suggest tweaking your question a little bit to zoom out just enough that you can expand by adding in a few more necessary topics, changing up your case studies a little to demonstrate new points. And that is how you go about developing an effective presentation, getting your content right, getting your audience engaged, getting it meaningfully and effectively educational in the context of a presentation that's designed to teach people. Take your responsibility seriously. Give a good presentation, give an effective presentation, and you'll be asked to do them again and again, and you'll develop a reputation as an effective speaker. And that's not a bad thing to have, because if you're an effective speaker internally, and you're an effective speaker externally, people will start to see you as an authority in the topics about which you speak. If you can command a presence in the room, if you can deliver an effective presentation, if you can teach people on a given topic in enough detail that they can come away thinking, I know that really well now, then you will be seen as an authority in that area. And if people have a question, who do you think they're going to come to? If you've taught them that well, they're going to come back to you. And that's where you start developing the relationship. So it is a good foundational skill to have. I hope this has been a good primer for you. That is all for Tips for Lawyers today. Get the show notes at tipsforlawyers.com slash podcast slash 27. And I'll see you next time.